0: Welcome to the Tech On Tap podcast.
1: Today is Tuesday, October 13th, and you are listening to the Tech On Tap podcast Roadshow Edition. Gentlemen, we survived another day.
2: How you doing? You know, survived in some ways is the correct way to put that, because today has just been completely fast and furious, and everything has been set to eleven. Yeah,
1: this was one of those days I looked at my calendar and was like, really, how is this actually going to happen? And
2: yet somehow it it actually worked out. Yeah, the day is over and we made it through. Andrew, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Uh, I just got some water for maybe the second time today. I had a pretty awesome lunch. Uh, So you know, I'm a simple man, right? And these are the things that, uh, that come to my mind. No, in all honesty, right? Glenn and I, we did our session twice today. Uh, you know, I had a, another session, my container session. It has been super, super busy, but it's been fantastic. The uh, the, the participation in the sessions has been great. I've gotten just awesome questions. Uh, oh yeah. You know, the, the questions that we were getting in our session, the questions I got on the container session, just amazingly good questions. And uh, I, I think that that means that people are really paying attention. I think it means that they actually care about what's going on in their organizations. And uh, Hopefully that also means that we have some good content to give them. So, been a great day. All right, well, drumroll, gentlemen. I know you guys had a head-to-head session around which hypervisor was
2: the winner. So, give me the results. You, you well, which one do you want? Because we did it twice. I, I want to hear both. Okay, so the first session, the winner was all FlashFast. <laughs> Well, that makes sense to me yeah no in all honesty it was a tie like we went through and and there was uh it was the the, the structure of, of the contest or battle if you will was five rounds and and andrew won two and i won two and the last round was just too close so we went to the judges uh, which we looked around and said well there's dan and chris let's ask dan isaacs and chris Gethard to to go ahead and deliberate and judge <laughs> And they came out declaring all Flashpads the winner, to which Dan then literally dropped the mic. Oh, my goodness. Did he really drop the mic? He really dropped the uh, mic. It was actually pretty awesome. Dan. Um, and then we did the second session, and I think w- w- Andrew and I determined PowerShell was the actual winner of that session.
3: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I've, I, You know, in all honesty, maybe Hyper-V had a slight edge, you know, one or two hands. But uh, ultimately, Glenn and I summarized it at the end of the session, and that's, uh, we all win, right? It doesn't matter what you're using, right? Make sure the technology is right for the solution. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. Well, I, I got to tell
1: you, we've been at NetApp Insight all day, and I don't know what happened today specifically. I'm going to have to go back and read. I didn't even get to see the general session today, because outside of doing our regular uh, sessions, we had a really great opportunity, uh, us three as podcast members, uh, to, to really contribute to the Tech on Tap family. And in doing so, we got to interview today Dave Hitz and Baylor College of Medicine, and so. Baylor College of Medicine is here all week doing a session. It's like a case study on how they actually used FlexPod FlexPod and the Data Fabric to answer some of their challenges in their company, and they have got a great success story. So if you get a chance, go to NetApp.com and search for Baylor College of Medicine. You'll be able to see the uh, success story. Uh, I also grabbed some uh, time with both Dave and Alex after our video interview, and I'm going to share that with you now. Let me go ahead and introduce our two guests. One, our audience may have heard from, Mr. Dave Hitz, founder of NetApp. Dave, welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. Here I am, I'm glad to be here. That's awesome, oh you got your shoes off, perfect. I'm gonna take my shoes off, <laughs> this is great. All right. also joining us is Director of Special Projects at Baylor College of Medicine, Alex Izaguari. Alex, how you doing, sir?
4: I'm doing great, excited to be here.
1: So Alex is doing a session this week at NetApp, it's all about a success story that we have with Baylor College of Medicine, and the session title is, it's a customer case study Baylor taking research and discovery to the cloud. So really, really cool conversation that we just caught uh, for the Tech on Tap interview. So two minute version, Alex, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you had at at Baylor and sort of how how NetApp sort of answered those those challenges for you.
5: So
4: at Baylor, we have a a very diverse audience that we have to cater to. Uh, We're dealing with education, research, healthcare, community, and uh, in each of these cases, the needs are very, very different, all the way from security, from the amount of storage, performance, everything. Uh, so what we needed to do is find a way to create something that was not necessarily a one size fits all, but something that could provide re- the adequate resources for each community. And for us, we kind of we landed on FlexPod. It worked really well for what we were trying to do. Uh, it gave us the flexibility to, to expand, uh, gave us the right performance level. Uh, we, we're using our environment, uh, we call it the discovery uh, platform, uh, because it's really there mainly to support our researchers. Uh, but interestingly enough, we actually expanded that, the, the, the use of it to other even just more operational needs. We converted our SAP environment to, to the discovery platform and we found that uh, running payroll occurs 50% faster. So it's just, <laughs> Makes everybody else Get paid sooner. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Use FlexPod. Get paid sooner. (laughs) (laughs) So what
1: is this Discovery Cloud concept?
4: So the the idea of the Discovery concept is that researchers really need to be focused on doing their research work, not trying to understand how to manage technology and purchase it and procure it and configure it. So we've simplified that. Uh, We've actually created an automated process where soon, where we just came out of QA with the, the software, they'll be able to actually provision their own systems, storage, uh, servers, uh, we're gonna be moving into VDI soon. So it's it's very exciting because the researchers aren't focused anymore on the technology, they're focused on their research work.
3: Yeah, Alex, this is really one of my favorite subjects. right? I, I've been doing automation, I've been doing private cloud for a very long time, and I find myself constantly talking to customers, talking to people, and, and reminding them that, IT is not there for the sake of IT. IT is there to enable the business, to enable our customers, their customers, to do the things that they need to do. And just getting out of the way, letting them do the great things that they're doing. So, uh, completely fantastic, wonderful story. And that's
4: exactly what they want. That's what they want. They really want to feel the autonomy. Uh, and, And on our side, it's not that we don't want to give them that autonomy, but in the past, we've been challenged with, how do we give them their autonomy yet be secure. How do we give them the autonomy, yet be cost effective? How do we give them their autonomy and take advantage of, of uh, you know performance in the right way? How do we give them autonomy and make sure that things are backed up and, and DR and business continuity functions correctly? Well, FlexPod is that answer for us. Because we're able to let them do what they need to do right. while still having control over the, the, the general environment.
1: So, 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 Dave, how do you think that NetApp really answers that challenge that, that Alex has over there at Baylor?
4: Well, I view
0: us as building foundation, support for what other people need to do. When, when you listen to him talk, I, I mean, he needs to do compute. He needs to do virtual desktops. There's a whole variety of services that Alex needs to provide. But the foundation of it is data. And the data is the piece that lasts a long time. I mean, you you log into your desktop and then you leave. It's like, okay, that desktop's gone. Yep. You don't care anymore. Um, But the data, I I mean, when you look at hospital patients, what's the the law now? It's like the life of the patient plus seven years or something, and God knows how long a kid's gonna live, right, so (laughs) 120 (laughs) years, like, we don't know. And so, so, you you need to have a lot of confidence in the infrastructure that you're choosing to help you manage that data and get it to where you're going to want it. I, I mean, I, you talked about what if a, what if one of your researchers has got data in Amazon? What if what if they are required by law to share it because some funding agencies do require that? You've got to have the flexibility in the underpinning system to to let you do whatever you need, and you don't know what that is yet. So you need to choose a vendor you trust to help out. I mean, that, it. I guess it's a long-term trust, maybe, even more than any technological thing. I mean, we have all sorts of technology I think is awesomely cool. But when you're a customer saying, who do I work with, really, I think it's about someone you think is heading where you're hoping to head and can help you get there.
1: Well, yeah, Dave, you said something earlier when we were doing the video interview that really resonated with me, and you said it was not about NetApp. You know, and both of you sort of shared that same theme, and it's true. It's, It's not about NetApp. It's about the business and the challenges of that business and so in your case at Baylor having to overcome you know the time to actually get IT stood up so your researchers can do the research required to get the grants that you guys need and so that part to me is the most exciting the fact that you have you're excited about the culture you're excited about the the, the team the people at NetApp but you also have a technical solution that's going to meet those needs combining FlexPod as well as the Data fabric.
4: Peter, you're, you're spot on because I, I think one of the frustrations that we deal with is researchers are, are moving from different institutions to different institutions and I think NetApp's vision on the data fabric is key to our success moving forward into the future when we look at a researcher moving from University X to our institution today it takes anywhere between three and six months for that researcher to get established at Baylor put up their information get their lab going all this stuff that really it shouldn't take that long but, but the idea, the concept that they might in the future and very short in the future, be able to say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I now started working at Baylor, and I talked to their IT team and I thought it was going to be a big deal, but they said, we have this space in the Amazon cloud where we're going to provision your stuff and your IT team is going to push it up there, and then we're going to come from uh, the Baylor side and, you know, using our cluster data on tap, just bring it down back into our environment, and now you're up and running and it's fantastic you just came to Baylor and it's a couple of weeks and you're not even ready to use all your new technology because it's already done man and they're not used to that we're not used to that either but I think it's it's that's the direction we need to go
1: all right, well, we are very short on time, and I know both of you have places to go, and so I want to sincerely thank both of you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the podcast, and I want to extend an invitation to both of you to come back to the podcast. I would love to do a deep dive with you one time and really understand that whole that whole conversation that you guys are doing over there at Baylor. Thanks. One question before you leave. I know you have that session this afternoon, which is... Tuesday, right? Or today's Monday? I'm today's, losing my mind.
4: Today's Tuesday. Today's
1: yep. Tuesday. Are you doing it anymore during the week? On Thursday as well. Okay, so it is on Thursday. And so for you, for the, for those of you listening that are here at NetApp Insight, you're gonna want to make sure that you register for that customer, that customer case study, Baylor taking research and discovery to the cloud. It's one that you will not want to miss. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you that was fun. I mean, it was great cuz we did the video interview first, which was fun, but then we did the podcast. And so Dave Hitz was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be filmed on video." And I was like, "No." And he just like sprawls all over the couch. He throws his shoes off. He takes So I was like, "Hey, forget. It. I'm taking my <laughs> shoes off too then." So we both took our shoes off. But yeah, Alex from, from Baylor College of Medicine was just a un- brilliant guy. Oh, my God, dude. I was blown away with that dude. Oh, yeah. He was and passionate man. And so just just a great solution there. The, the way they're using the FlexPod. I mean, the part that really resonated with me was not only is he creating this on-demand service for his researchers to actually provision their own environments, but he's wrapped in SAP to actually price how much this is actually going to cost their users. And it literally, so not everyone goes, oh, I need all and everything right away, right? So yeah. having that tied into the intelligence to fully automate that process and uh, he could
2: not sing higher praises of FlexPod. So I was definitely thinking about you, Glenn. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the thing that I was really impressed with, the, the, the SAP implementation was, that that is really elite. Um, but, but honestly, it was the reason behind it, and that's the thing. When you start to pull apart this stuff, when you talk to enough of these customers and you start peeling back these onion, onions, what you will find is successful implementations have requirements behind the technology. Yes. In this case, they're a research college. Research is funded through grants. Grants need estimates. Yep this is all in a to b to c in order for him to satisfy the research requirements of baylor college he has to be able to generate real-time quotes for how much a given solution is going to cost so that they can file that against the grant and the way that they've realized that leveraging FlexPod as the common building block it's just brilliant i was blown away that that guy's incredible their implementation is incredible i'm honored to have them as a customer and i'm thrilled that we were able to work with them and help solve some of those problems well said
3: you know, Pete, Pete I participated in that conversation as well and I thought it went really really well. Right? Dave is just a phenomenal speaker and yeah, that customer, that customer is amazing. That story and the things that they're doing. But uh, you know, that wasn't the only one of these Tech on Tap live, you know, kind of podcast edition things that we got to participate in today. Uh, while you were busy giving a session, Glenn and I had the opportunity to sit down with NetApp's very own Val Bercovici. Yes and we got to sit down with the A-team's Glenn Deckhauser. And we had a really awesome conversation about DevOps and the lean cloud. So let's play that for you now.
2: Joining us now on the Tech On Tap live stage here for the podcast edition uh, is Glenn Deckhauser, practical lead and office of the CTO at Red8IT, and Val Bercovici, our very own cloud czar here at NetApp. Uh, Glenn, how are you doing this today? Huh?
6: Just as good as last night's. So great insight.
3: Glenn, i got to say, I really like that shirt that you're wearing. I, we, we're both wearing our, our uh, A-team shirts, and they look pretty fantastic. Yeah, you know, they did a good job this year with these. Yeah, absolutely.
5: You know, they're slimming. <laughs> I need and, and all the help I can get. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, I need all you help. Know. How do they know? <laughs> exactly.
2: And that voice, of course, for the listeners at home is our very own Val. Val, how's the show treating you so far?
5: Oh, it's great. The show's been fantastic. We're only halfway into it. Looking forward to the general session this afternoon and uh, tomorrow as well, and... Really happy to be back on the podcast. I would love to be a veteran of
3: the podcast. Now, so. Outstanding. Great, great to have you back. We really enjoyed you having on the show a couple of weeks ago. So, gentlemen, I have to say that when I saw the title of this particular session, I was really excited. Right? Yeah, me too. I, and, and let's be honest, I'm pretty easily excitable. <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, so that the title of this one is "Why DevOps Will Move to the Lean Cloud," and, and this is something that's really near and dear to my heart. Right as you as you know, I am involved heavily with containers these days. So, so Val, I know you did a blog post a couple of weeks ago on the lean cloud. Could you could you give us a definition of the lean cloud?
5: It's really all about money. And in this case, you know, we all know that you can make a ton of money in the cloud, that's why we're all here. But how to be profitable, how to keep most of that money is what the lean cloud is all about. And it's yeah. operating efficiently. So this whole notion of the economics of elasticity, it's a wonderful thing when you're in a hyperscale cloud. During a dev test, innovation phase of anything you're working on. As the workload matures and stabilizes, and I would say instead of being stable because that implies a workload that never goes up or down, probably a better term is predictable. Mother's Day, you know, or Christmas shouldn't be surprises around the calendar. So once you can predict the spikes, peaks and valleys of your workload, anybody, shouldn't say anybody, most competent organizations, IT organizations, can build infrastructure for predictable workloads. Yeah. So the economics of elasticity diminish pretty rapidly once the workload becomes predictable, and the lean cloud is all about making sure you've got the right workload, you know, at the in the right cloud during the right phase of its life cycle and operating efficiently and profitably as your workload matures, which is really what this is all about.
2: No, I right? love I love the term lean cloud because it ties back in to, to the genesis of all of this. You know, you know we we'll, 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 we'll engage Glenn here in a minute and get get uh, dive into DevOps, but right. you know, if you really pick DevOps apart and trace it all the way back you can trace it back to lean manufacturing. That's exactly. where this stuff came it's from. Exactly right. And that's the
5: inspiration for the title.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love it because it's, the, it's the, just the continuation of the theme, right, of constraint management and, and, and end-to-end IT service pipeline and just optimizing that delivery process. And, and in this event, taking a data-centric view and building a holistic solution that, that takes all of that into account, I never get tired of it.
5: You've just reminded me, we need to co-author a blog on specifically the origins of the name itself Lee, <laughs> uh, because it's a great story, it makes for a great blog.
3: Yeah, it's. A, I, I, would, I would love to do that. It's going to happen. I, I would read that blog. <laughs> so, so, Glenn, we had Garrett Mueller, a technical director at NetApp on the podcast a couple of weeks ago where we talked about NetApp implementing DevOps continuous integration, continuous deployment internally. And one of the things that came out of that was, DevOps is not, there's no one definition. You don't deploy a DevOps, you don't buy a product. So, I'd love to hear your definition, how you're seeing customers really adopt and implement DevOps in their organizations. Well,
6: there was a recently coined phrase about maybe 20 minutes ago, uh, that we call it DevOps, we're looking at calling it DevOps. Because that's how I'm seeing it being, at least in the in the regular enterprise space, smaller enterprise space, and and, and uh, you know, I'll say the regular, not the Mongo enterprise space, but I'm seeing uh, DevOps being uh, viewed as a way to provide a multitude of options of where I'm going to run those environments. Right, so I can put a Docker up environment up anywhere. Right, I, it doesn't matter where. I could have it in my own environment. I could you know, put it up in Amazon. I could do it in Azure. Now I can do a great, amazing in Azure now, but. Uh, Sometimes I need it in all of the above, in different kinds of workloads, or I want, it in, I want it for reliability, or I want different performance workloads. It's just that you know, if I don't have those options, if I'm stuck with one place, I'm 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 stuck. I mean, I, how can I, how am I supposed to get the economics of cloud, of data mobility, if, if I don't have those options in my underlying underlying infrastructure? So, uh, what I'm seeing from my customers, and I was saying most of my customers don't come to me saying, "Help me with DevOps." They don't. They, they're doing it and they're entering into these problem sets without even knowing it. They're kind of stumbling in the dark. Uh, now, some of the very large enterprises obviously have this very formalized approach to this stuff. But most of these companies are really just starting to, to grope around in this area and figure out how they can drive value and essentially you know, increase top line, reduce bottom line by applying you know, this approach. It's, it's still very, very new. So yes. they're looking for a partner to help them, to, to guide them through this maze. And, you know, I don't see any other technology companies doing it. I just don't, uh, because it's really they're more about selling things, and it's not about things.
2: Yeah, that's my, my problem with the whole DevOps movement. You know, watching it the, the past eighteen months get popular all of a sudden. You know, the, Andrew and I, of course, long-term automation guys. You know, when when, when they finally decided what to call it you know, and yep. settled on some some methodologies, you know, it was like, oh, this is awesome, yeah, this is what, we've essentially been doing this for five years, we just didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's some best practices and lessons learned, but but then it became a thing, right? And all of a yeah. sudden, you know, it's, it's everyone trying to figure out how to define DevOps as their product, and I have a real problem with that, yeah. because it's not about products not or product. technologies, it's yeah. about how you get work done. Yeah, well, I knew,
5: in that's the philosophical a, sense, I'm sorry to cut you out, but in the philosophical sense, the commercialization of something implies its success. It's almost like a trailing indicator. Yeah. There's something really there. It's, it's a pain we have to go through. In, Actually, that was my point.
6: What I was going to make was that, uh, to your point, it, it was being done by developers before it became DevOps. It was just called shadow IT. Exactly. Right? Yes. So it, they were doing it, they were getting their flexibility, they were moving data around these different places on their own, but. Yeah. But, it was outside of IT and it wasn't being controlled, there was, there was absolutely, you know, absolutely no control over it, no cost control for sure, and, uh, and they weren't doing it the best way. They were doing it in the way that they could, with what resources they could you know, hobble together with a yeah. credit card. So that, I think business is finally starting to recognize that they need to provide that service to their environment as a, a you know, in, in a more formal way. Is, is where DevOps is really starting to take hold, even in the smaller environments now. And that's, when I say that they're groping around, they're getting there by default. Yeah. Right? And so, but, you know, I think being a partner that can help them get there uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the right way, I call it. So yeah. I, I think I,
3: that brings up a really interesting question in that there is a lot of administrators, there's a lot of organizations that have become sort of tone deaf to DevOps because, yes. well, I don't have a, a, an application that was built from the ground up, our favorite term, <laughs> right, that was that was built to be in the cloud right I haven't re-architected my things and I think it's important to point out right and I'm sure you have you, you both have many examples of no this absolutely applies even to organizations to applications that have been around for decades but, yeah.
6: it, well or you're going to be a new infrastructure guy you better be getting involved with DevOps because you know looking at ACI and these new things coming out infrastructure guys aren't infrastructure guys anymore they're developers absolutely so yes. where are you where are you maintaining that code how are you testing that code how are you you know what, what environments are you going to develop those in in a, in a, in a program? prototypical way, uh, so it's all changing. And as you know, we're getting more software-defined with the data center and the networking. It's you better get into DevOps because it's going to be your whole world. Uh, you know, whether you, whether you know it's there or not, you're, you're going to be living in it.
2: Yeah. The, the one thing I would add, Glenn, to something that you said a minute ago about you know you've been doing it whether or not you realize it, we just called it shadow IT. I do think it's there's an important addition to to an organization that truly embraces the whole DevOps me- methodology, and it's that concept of. Those developers and those business units that, that are taking that, that that line of credit and they're going to the, the easiest entry access point they've got, mm-hmm. right. whether that is internal through some sort of internal portal yeah. or it's a public service that they pay for with a credit card. The easiest way that they can get this thing out there to be able to drive business and close their objectives, that's where they're going to end up. But what DevOps includes is that circle back around where IT is aware of it and works with them to make sure that, you know, yes, go use DreamHost, that's great, but there's certain data we're not gonna put there security, because sure. we've got security and compliance concerns that we know right. about. We're the big IT shop, this is our life. Right? The part that you, Mr. Business Customer, you know, the part you're focused on, let's work together to figure out how to make this map matter. And that's the part that I don't see enough people embracing, is the, the part where you really need to integrate. It's gotta be a hand holdy group hug focused on the getting the task complete, yeah. not necessarily just your part of the checklist.
6: Yeah, a lot of organizations don't have the bandwidth though to really do this right. And yeah. so that's where the partners have to come in and bring in kind of, I don't want to say fully baked you know, solutions, because like I said, DevOps isn't a thing you can buy. Exactly, it's a thing you do. Yeah. So, but partners need to come in and, and, and educate best practices and and deploy them in a partnership with the client. But those partners then have to have the partnerships with the technologies that kind of bring those to bear in the back end. And NetApp's done a great job of helping their partners bring those to their clients. Right. So that that's where it's really worked for us.
3: Yeah, and you know something I learned from you, Val, not long after I began working in NetApp is. You know, we spend what seems like a, a strange amount of time reminding our IT customers that they're there for the business. They're yeah. there to <laughs> yeah. enhance right. what the business is doing. You know, whether that's you know, if you're selling product, if you're you know, in healthcare, if you're you're, you're helping people get better, whatever that happens to be, you're not there for the sake of IT. Exactly. So it's very, very important. It's to also
5: interesting about that is in the concept of DevOps and really being able to f- complete that full circle. Most IT folks. Particularly junior ones that might not, you know, have enough experience, don't realize they have unexpected allies in the organization.
4: Exactly, you know, your they're legal not team, alone. your
5: risk assessment team, your records management team, wants to help you harness this. They know stuff is going to the cloud. They're mature and wise enough to know they can't stop it. But if they're aware of it, if they know how to audit it, if they know how to track it, and also make sure that protect protected as necessary, everybody wins. And, and there's actually more allies in an organization than people realize. Once you socialize what's going on. You know what, to
2: to that point, Val, uh, last time we had you on the podcast, we plugged your favorite book, uh, The Developer is the New Kingmaker. I'm going to go ahead and plug my favorite book these days, which is The Phoenix Project, a DevOps story, which is precisely that. Uh, For the listeners, if you guys haven't checked this out yet, and you're you're in IT in 2015, it is a must read these days, because it it is a, a plain language story of how an organization goes from the old siloed way of working to the modern, you know, continuous integration
3: DevOps way of doing business.
5: Wonderful. That's going on my Kindle queue. Now, didn't you push that
6: on a previous podcast?
3: Maybe a, maybe I a do. <laughs> See, I listen. All right, gentlemen. So thank you very much for coming out today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Glenn, for coming on both Tech on Tap Live as well as the podcast. We will be more than happy to have you back anytime you're willing to chat with us. It's been fantastic today, gentlemen. Thanks,
2: guys. Yeah, you know, Andrew, absolutely. That was a great conversation. Uh, and... And I'm gonna to have to take Val up on his offer. I'm gonna say it here publicly on the internet. I actually wanna blog about this. I think this is a, an incredibly powerful concept. I think this is an incredibly uh, interesting approach. It's very, very innovative. It's very forward thinking. There's really nobody out there that, that is trying to do what, what we're trying to do with the lean cloud. And, and for me, he, he kinda tickled my fancy calling it the lean cloud because that's the thing. Like it's acknowledging the history. It's acknowledging how we got to where we go. And you know, as they say, those who do not understand history are destined to repeat it. It's an important aspect. Understanding how we got to today can feed into the decisions that are going to, to drive those cloud deployments going forward. So it was incredibly valuable, a, a great conversation, absolutely. So yeah, I can't believe that I'm almost gonna get out of this podcast without
1: getting clowned oh, wait, by you guys. Wait. <laughs>
2: are you actually gonna out yourself?
1: Because yeah. I was gonna let you get away with this. Oh my goodness, I was so embarrassed. Yeah, so while I was doing my interview, apparently the lights that were up here, I'm certainly, again, hashtag face for radio here, uh, this lady comes up and starts powdering my forehead and putting makeup on me. <laughs> and all of a sudden I look up and all I see is Glenn's big red phone <laughs> taking pictures of me. And I was like, oh, great. It's going on the Internet.
2: <laughs> well, well th- what you didn't realize is it was being periscoped live to the Internet. No. Oh, yeah.
1: no.
0: It was hilarious.
2: Oh, my goodness. That's embarrassing. But, yeah, good time, good experience. Well, all right. We, we've made it through one day here of a uh, uh, full-up full schedule, you know, doing dual-duty, uh, full-time podcasting here on the Tech On Tap live studio, uh, as well as our normal uh, NetApp Insight duties. This is definitely a, a bit of a hustle, but it's, it's a hustle I enjoy. This was a lot of fun. What do you guys think? Oh, totally, man. I look back and
1: say, how in the world are we doing this? But I wouldn't have it any other way, man. This has just been so exciting. It's a—it's really a privilege to actually be yes. part, of, part of this thing that we're doing. I mean, and when people come, we've had so many listeners come up to us and talk to us today and just really good conversations with people. By the way, if you're here, come by. We've got T-shirts and stickers to give you. But yeah, it's just people, you know, people are passionate about NetApp and that's the best part about coming to these things. So I wouldn't have it any other way.
3: So you know i actually have a pretty funny story uh, about the podcast and about one of our listeners i got an email today from an old friend of mine from a a previous previous life who was saying that he he's been listening to the podcast he loves listening to the podcast because he commutes up in the northern virginia area so you know lots lots of traffic to sit in but he usually listens to podcasts at 2x right so you can get more content in because there's you know there's a ton of stuff out there but he can only listen to the tech on top podcast at, at one and a half ton speed and the reason for that our very own mr sizemore he talks too fast
2: <laughs> i actually knew the reason behind that because i know what he does because i do it too uh, most most podcasts they have this oh, yeah. you know very stateful flow they want to be very serious you know yep. this is a radio let's let's be i nah, i ain't got time for that stuff man let's, let's get going let's go we, up, we got we up. got places to be let's go
3: <laughs> you know i'm gonna blame that on uh on a little bit of the uh, northeast in you, in you, Glen, you get oh, yeah. you get a little wound up and yeah. then it's time to go we're yeah 100 miles an hour Absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, I'll totally acknowledge that. You know what? Actually, uh, speaking of wound up, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, at least acknowledge this. Uh, I, I did have to miss out on a couple of the, the Tech on Tap interviews that we did here today. Uh, and the reason w- was I had to go meet with some customers
5: Okay.
2: Um, and, and, and not just any customer. You know, we're not going to drop names here, but but the, I had a couple of, of meetings today with with teams that I have literally been working with for four and a half years. And, and I just can't tell you how rewarding it is to sit down and, and talk to these guys and hear them tell me where they're at to have them pull out their phone and show me the text messages where they're dynamically relocating their assets using SnapMirror and FlexClone. And to get an impromptu demo where they just flip the freaking service no. and a new text comes in. like We have amazing customers. Wow. I just can't stress it enough. They are the talent. They are the mindshare. They are absolutely brilliant. They are stunning. And I am in total awe. Yeah, I
1: I completely agree. It's the, you know, we spend so much time, as you say, Glenn, in the sausage factory. Yeah. And so, like, we talk to the people that develop a lot of this software. And so there's, you know, we get, we tend to get sort of caught up on the technology, the features, the functionality, right? But then when we go to these events and we see what people are actually doing with this technology, I just think it, it just, it's like a whole nother, it's like, a, it's, it's just like a totally different experience to actually get these real true stories and see how people are actually incorporating this technology. My favorite part of it, NetApp Insight for sure. All right, well, we're going to call this one a wrap. We're going to look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow. Tomorrow, we've got more Tech on Tap live interviews here at the booth. We'll be interviewing Mr. George Curian. a among others, and so if you're here, come by and say hi to us. If you're not, stay tuned to listening to us on Tech on Tap podcast. And until next time, bye for now. The app. Rose.
2: We're recording. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. We're going to leave in two seconds. <laughs> it looks like we're
1: getting kicked out, Glenn.
2: Yeah, tell me about it. All right.